Today's broadcast of Bagels and Blessings has been previously recorded at an earlier time. Shalom Chaverim, that's Hebrew for hello friends, and Shabbat Shalom, that's Hebrew for Sabbath peace. This is Ethel Chadwick. Welcome to another week of Bagels and Blessings. Today, Rabbi Joshua Brumbach returns to Bagels and Blessings, and we're going to hear all about his journey to finding Messiah and how God is using him today. Stay with me, and I'll be right back. Shabbat, 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 and Blessings is a ministry of Congregation Shema Yisrael. We are a messianic congregation made up of Jews and Gentiles who believe that Jesus, or Yeshua, is the promised Messiah. Our services contain Jewish liturgy and Davidic dancing, and we celebrate the Feasts of Israel. We meet at 250 Edgewood Avenue in Brighton, and our services are Saturday mornings at 10 a.m. Please join us for worship. And while you are in the building, be sure to check out the Fig Tree Messianic Bookstore and Gift Shop. Now open Mondays from 6 to 8 p.m., Tuesdays by appointment, Wednesdays from 3 to 8 p.m., Thursdays from 3 to 6 p.m., and up to 30 minutes after services on Saturdays. You can call the Fig Tree Bookstore at 585-484-7775. The Fig Tree Bookstore and Gift Shop is a great place for books, CDs, cards, jewelry, and so much more. So be sure to check them out when you visit Congregation Shema Yisrael. And now, when you make a purchase at the Fig Tree Bookstore, you can fill out a raffle ticket. Those names will be drawn for a prize from Bagels and Blessings. So those of you in the Rochester area, be sure to visit Congregation Shemayas Royale in the Fig Tree Bookstore and fill out your ticket for a chance to win a prize from Bagels and Blessings. Of course, that was the great voice of Jonathan Sattel. His booming voice has stayed with me through all these years on Bagels and Blessings. I still can't believe that he's gone. May he rest in peace. Here's Paul Wilbur, Shots of Joy.
Friends, this is Paul Wilbert, and you're listening to Bagels and Blessings. I'd like to thank Excellent Air Heating and Cooling for sponsoring Bagels and Blessings. Give them a call today at 585-889-7840. They're a family-owned and operated business. Their prices are fantastic. They will take care of your air conditioner in the summer and your furnace in the winter. Give them a call today because they love the Lord and they are excellent. Excellent air, heating and cooling. 585-889-7840. Here's a great arrangement of Great Are You Lord from Sue Samuel.
Bagels and Blessings is a ministry of Shema Yisrael Messianic Congregation. Your tax-deductible contributions will help keep this program on the air. Make checks out to Shema Yisrael, that's S-H-E-M-A-Y-I-S-R-A-E-L, and please put Bagels and Blessings on the memo portion of your check. Send your contributions to Bagels and Blessings, Post Office Box 192, Scottsville, New York, 14546-0192. And you're invited to come and experience Messianic worship in person Saturday morning at 10 a.m. 250 Edgewood Avenue in Brighton. Did you ever have one of those songs that just soothed all your fears, all your worries, and every time you hear it, you feel like you've just been lifted up to the heavens? Well, this next song is from Marty Getz. It's called The Spirit of the Lord, and I guarantee you that you are going to feel so blessed after you hear this. Spirit of the Lord is upon me. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. For the Lord has anointed me. Yes, the Lord has anointed. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. For the Lord has anointed me. Yes, the Lord has anointed me. He sent me to preach good news to the poor and to bind up the broken in heart to proclaim his freedom to all who are bound, all who are bound. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Yes, the Lord has anointed me. He sent me to preach the year of His grace and that vengeance belongs to our God and to comfort all those who mourn and who grieve, all those who Morning, the oil of joy, and for the spirit of sorrow, the garment of praise. And they will be called the trees of righteousness planted by God's own hand, that He may be glorified. upon me. I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, and my soul will exult in my God, for the Lord has anointed me. Yes, the Lord has anointed me. He sent me to preach good news to the poor and to bind up the broken to proclaim his freedom to all who are bound, all who are bound. And I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. 
Lord and my soul shall exult in my God for he's clothed me with garments of his salvation and wrapped me with the robes of his righteousness yes upon me is the spirit of the Lord yes upon me is the spirit of the Lord he's anointed me with the spirit of the Lord Shalom this is Marty Getz and you're listening to Bagels and Blessings Well, I hope you were truly blessed by that song. You know, it comes right out of Isaiah 61. So open up your Bibles, turn to Isaiah 61, and just hear those beautiful, beautiful words. Hallelujah. And we know that Yeshua fulfilled those words, didn't he? Hallelujah. Well, stay tuned for my interview with Rabbi Henry Morse. For right now, we've got time for some more music. So I'm going to select something from the Kedem. You'll want to play this in your car with your windows rolled down. This next song, Hallelujah, comes right out of Psalm 150. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord.
Next up, here's Sally Klein O'Connor waiting for the King of Jews Blues. I sure love this song. Ethel Chadwick, thank you so much for listening to Bagels and Blessings. Stay tuned for my interview with Rabbi Joshua Brumbach. But right now, here is a song from Joshua Aaron. Oh, wow. 
And now, here's my interview with Rabbi Joshua Brumbach. Enjoy. Rabbi Joshua Brumbach, welcome to Bagels and Blessings. Thank you. It's great to be with you. It's wonderful to be with you. I know I've spoken to your wife in the past, but I don't think I've ever spoken to you. <laughs> um, I was on a few years ago, but no no worries. <laughs> oh, wow. Well, you know, so much for memory. <laughs> it's it's no, no worries at all. Oh, gosh. Well, okay, then. Well, for others that forgot also, uh, <laughs> she says with an embarrassed face, Tell us a little I mean, bit we about... Can, we can redo that if you want. No, that's funny. Uh, People should know that I'm human, you know? I mean, in case there was yeah. ever any doubt, you know, let them see the real me. <laughs> it's no no worries at all. You're great. All right, Rabbi Joshua, tell me a little bit about your your childhood. Were you raised in a traditional Jewish home? I was raised in an intermarried home where both of my parents were believers in Yeshua. And so I'm one of these, you know, kind of generations that now exist where we were raised in homes where either our, our parents or maybe even grandparents were believers in Yeshua. So we, um, you know, we, we did Jewish stuff at, at home and things, but we were um, initially active in the church just because there were no Messianic synagogues. Um, and then we would go to, uh, the closest synagogue to us was about two and a half hours away. Um, and we would go for bar mitzvahs and weddings and other kinds of things, but we were active locally in a church. And it wasn't until I was in junior high that I started to get actively involved in our wider Jewish community. And it was actually in my involvement in our lay-led wider Jewish community that eventually led me to Messianic Judaism. Oh, I That's see. That's the short, the short version. <laughs> well, I always find it interesting when people are raised in a home with parents that are believers, because mm -hmm. I'd like to know, when did that become personal for you? In other words, when did you find your own faith? Not just because mom and dad believed, but because you believed. When did that happen? So, in my journey, um, kind of what I would call my Jewish journey, because like I said, I was raised with, you know, doing some things Jewish at home, but I always sort of jokingly tell people that, you know, being Jewish to me as a kid means we celebrate Christmas for eight days, and once a year we eat these really big, you know, saltine crackers. Um, you know, it was like very limited, and as a kid, you don't understand um, especially when you grow up in an intermarried family, that things, for example, like Hanukkah and Christmas are two different things. You know what I mean? So, um, and then in junior high, I started asking a lot of questions that wasn't about faith in Yeshua, but was more, if we're Jewish, then why don't we fill in the blank, right? I was trying to really make sense of things. Mm -hmm. And um, so in high school, I um, started to get connected with our, our local Jewish community, which was really helpful because it answered a lot of those questions about being Jewish, but it didn't really help me in my questions then about how do I follow Yeshua as a Jew? And, you know, it, that's a whole other story, which then led me into um, finding Messianic Judaism, which ultimately would be um, where, you know, where I kind of found my place, if you will, over the last 25, 30 years. Um, but that took time, and it, and it wasn't an immediate thing. I see. So when did you first visit a Messianic congregation? I was, I think, a senior in high school, and um, I'd like to tell you that my first experience was this, like, amazing <laughs> encounter where the angels sang, and, um, but it wasn't. And to be honest, I went and visited a congregation um that was, again, about two and a half hours away because I grew up in Oregon and Portland is the, the main Jewish community, although there's a, a decent sized Jewish community in, in Salem and Eugene and some other places. But um, our sort of the family synagogue was in Portland, and that was also where I heard that there was a Messianic Jewish congregation. So I decided to drive up there uh, one weekend and I visited the service and, you know, God bless them, but it was... It was not what I was looking for. In fact, it, I was kind of like, if this is Messianic Judaism, then no thanks. This doesn't actually help me. I might as well go to church on Sundays and synagogue on Saturdays. Really? And <laughs> um, so, you know, obviously I'm not, I'm not looking to, you know, Lashon Hara, you know, like say anything bad about anybody. So I'm not going to say, you know, names of congregations or anything. But <laughs> what was interesting, and maybe I shouldn't even say this on the air, but 
Um, the funny thing is I decided to give it a shot. I had driven two and a half hours to be there. So I stayed through the whole service and decided to, and it was just one of these weird experiences that all your Jewish listeners would know exactly what I'm talking about, where nobody there, you know, wonderful people, but nobody there was Jewish other than maybe one or two people. People were dressed like Fiddler on the Roof characters. It was just a weird experience. (laughs) It was not what I was looking for, especially given that my experience um, you know, I didn't go straight into Messianic Judaism. I was involved in the in the wider Jewish community, and I knew what normal looked like, <laughs> and this wasn't it. Um, but I decided to stick around, um, and afterwards, you know, many synagogues have an own egg time of food and stuff like this afterwards. So I stuck around, and um, the interesting thing is people started to talk very negatively about this other Messianic synagogue that was in town. And you know, how, how terrible, you know, that the leader calls himself a rabbi and how bad is it that they believe you should follow the Torah and everything that they kept speaking negatively about this congregation made my ears perk up more and more because this is what I was looking for. I was this young teenager trying, I had all these questions of what it meant to be Jewish and believe in Yeshua. And what I was looking for was a rabbi who could answer all my, you know, crazy teenage questions. And so the funny thing is I kind of found a way to sort of like, oh, like, wow, so tell me more. Where is this congregation and when do they meet? And at that time, uh, that congregation met on, on Saturday nights. And so I, st- I, I decided I, I drove all this way. I might as well stick around to their evening service. And that was a different experience where before the service even started, I really something inside of me knew that I was home and that whatever Messianic Judaism was, I was going to spend, I was going to be, you know, the rest of my life would be committed to this endeavor. And um, it was an amazing experience. And um, the rabbis, Rabbi Warren and Sherwell Dean at Kehillat Ari Yehuda in, in Portland, Oregon, they really kind of took me in and discipled me. They led me to then pursue, um, you know, becoming a rabbi. So I moved to Los Angeles where I worked with Marie and Kay Sibling at the time. It was, that was who they were. Um, and anyway, so that's, you know, there's obviously a whole story here, but, um, you know, everybody has things to do today. (laughs) That's kind of the short version. Speaking of stories, I do want to discuss just, you know, briefly, when did you decide you wanted to be a Messianic rabbi? And, and tell me about your experience today. Mm-hmm. So um, in high school, um, going back to your earlier question of what helped solidify my faith, it was it was finding Messianic Judaism. And there were two books that really were um, fundamental to me because it really helped solidify these two things that to me are, are equals of our commitment to Jewish life and, and to Yeshua as the Jewish Messiah was um, Dr. David Stern's, the complete, at the time there was not yet the complete Jewish Bible. He had this, you know, the Jewish New Testament. I know you know this, but I'm, you know, for the audience, there was this thing called the Jewish New Testament, which mm-hmm. was Dr. Stern's translation of the New Testament in, in a Jewish context. And that, you know, having grown up as a believer was like reading the Bible all over again. And I loved it. And I I read it through multiple times, just straight through. And then um, David Stern wrote another book, which at the time was called Messianic Jewish Manifesto. It's recently been re-released called um, Messianic Judaism. But those two books really helped solidify faith in Yeshua for me in a Jewish context. And it was during this time that I made, you know, my own faith commitment to Yeshua. And it was part of my journey into, in in this larger, larger journey into Messianic Judaism. So around this time, um, and, you know, I'd, I'd even before that been pretty committed to, to Yeshua, even as a, a young person. But um, I, I always kind of wanted to be a rabbi. I just thought, Oh, it's something I'll do on the side because believe it or not, my, what I really wanted to do was law enforcement. And I did do that for a while. And it was kind of some opportunities that I had that I really felt like I wasn't doing what I was supposed to be doing. And that's what led me to then move to Los Angeles to pursue at the time, the only thing that existed in Messianic Judaism for training young Messianic 
rabbis. Um, and so that's, that's what I did. I, it was something I felt. And then when um, I found this congregation in Portland, which I would travel to, even though it was two and a half hours away, um, I, would, I was a part of their community two or three times a month. And, uh, and it, that was, and through Warren and Sherelle Dean, they led me then to, to Murray Silverling in California. And, uh, and that began my journey in 1997, uh, towards, towards, uh, becoming a rabbi. So I studied there, but also then afterwards I did an internship in Hungary, um, where I also ended up studying at an Orthodox yeshiva, um, and, you know, from then on, I went, came back to the States and I did everything backwards. The program that I was a, a part of, you were supposed to have already had a bachelor's degree. And then this program, which was then called the Messianic Mentoring Institute, was supposed to be kind of more mentoring application of, of ministry. And uh, I did it backwards. I uh, <laughs> went there before I even had a bachelor's degree or anything. So then I came back from Europe and decided I, I, my own interests, I'm really more interested in the academic side of ministry. My strength is really, even though I'm a congregational rabbi, um, my primary spiritual gifting is not pastoral. It's as a teacher. Um, so I went and uh, did a degree in, in Jewish and biblical studies at UCLA, um, then went on, got my master's degree and stuff and, um, you know, eventually over time that led me into, uh, being a, a full-time congregational rabbi. And I led my first congregation in, in Beverly Hills called the Ahabatzion, which I led for seven years. And I keep getting poached. People keep offering me, you know, <laughs> making me offers I can't possibly refuse. And so from then I, I led a congregation, um, also in the Los Angeles area, which was my home congregation for many years, Beth Amunah which was Murray Silverling's um, congregation. And then I led it after he retired for, for three and a half years when I accepted an offer to lead our current congregation um, in the New Haven area. It's actually in West Haven called Simcha Israel. It's a congregation that was founded in 1986. And I'm the, the full-time rabbi here. And in addition to this, I also teach for the King's University and the Messianic Jewish Theological Institute. Wonderful. Well, before we talk yeah. a little bit about your congregation in Connecticut, I have to ask, you studied under Mary Sibling. Isn't he mm -hmm. known as the dancing rabbi? And if so, he is, did he yeah, teach you yeah. all of his moves? <laughs> he's, he's really great. And, um, you know, as you know, he wrote a book called Dancing with Joy and all kinds of things. So especially in my first round at, at Beth Amunah, like dancing, and it still is, you know, very much a big part of the, the life of the congregation, but it's not like it was at one time. Um, you know, as you know, dancing is, it's it's still a big part of the Messianic Jewish community, but it, it doesn't have the, the role and the place that it did, like in the 80s and 90s. Well, I just want to know if he taught you his moves. <laughs> he did some of them, but then, you know, eventually I kind of, you know, went a little bit of a different direction and wasn't as much in, involved in dancing. But for a long time, I really was. I went to, you That's know, cool. Israeli dancing during the week and all kinds of stuff. And yeah, cool. <laughs> and, and Murray still dances. Oh, that's um, great. Yeah, yeah, he's very much still involved in the uh, Israeli dance community. Awesome. Okay, so you're in Connecticut now. How's mm -hmm. that going? And it, maybe somebody's traveling through. Tell us when you meet, what time, and all that good stuff. So we meet on Saturday mornings at 11 a.m., and you can find us online at, um, you know, just Google the name of our synagogue, Simchai Israel, or just Jewish New Haven, and you'll find us. Um, or Messianic Jewish New Haven, because there's also, you know, the wider Jewish community here. But, you know, we're pretty easy to find. Our website is www.simchaisrael.org. Um, I don't expect people to remember that. That's why I just said Google, you know, Messianic <laughs> New Haven and you'll find us. So you took over for Rabbi Tony? Yeah, Tony Eaton. Yeah, correct. And the Eatons are still very active within our community. Um, and when he retired, they were looking to fill the position and originally they reached out to me and at first I wasn't, it, it's a great community. Um, and my lack of interest was only because I was living on the West coast, not the East coast and finishing my, you know, trying to work on, my, on a doctorate and everything. And so I, I was just not, my mind was not in the space of let's make a cross country move. However, um, 
it, the more and more that I was speaking with them and I spoke to, to Rabbi Tony and others within the congregation, and there were many who we actually already knew within the congregation, um, it just seemed like it was going to be a much better fit for us. And just the cost of living here is way different than Los Angeles. And it, it meant that for the first time ever, we might be able to afford a house, which we did. We bought a house um, after we were here about a year. Um, and so the, the, our quality of life is, uh, has definitely gone up and it's a really, you know, solid, wonderful community that, uh, you know, and, and Rabbi Tony led it for about 30 years, but he wasn't the founder of it. It was actually a plant out of Chosen People Ministries who worked with a group of Jewish believers that was meeting in somebody's home, the Bainas, and then they wanted to, as they were growing and wanted to form into a congregation, they reached out to chosen people. And so they sent a couple of their people to work with the community. And eventually, um, Tony became the leader in, uh, in 92, I believe. I see. I figured that you just wanted to come here because you really, really love snow. <laughs> um, I mean, I obviously grew up with snow living in Oregon, but for 20 some years, I lived in Los Angeles. So it was a big move. In 20 some years, my blood had thinned out to go from one corner of the country where it's basically 70, or 70 degrees through the winter to, uh, to the snow. As I'm uh, obviously talking with you, and I know you're not too far from me, um, I'm, I'm sitting in my car because it's freezing outside and there's snow all over. <laughs> around with snow we had snow today and so of course schools were canceled and daycare and so it's Oy. been a juggle a juggling day today Oy. well rabbi joshua tell us how we can be praying for you your ministry your family anything um i mean i i always appreciate praying for um our congregation here in the new haven area and that we would continue to be a light to the Jewish community here, as well as continuing to build. We have uh, really great relationships with um, local pastors and, and churches as well, and that God would continue to, um, that we would see fruit from that, and that we would remain faithful. For me personally, that um, I'm finishing up um, my doctorate, like that's always, <laughs> prayers are definitely needed as I'm finishing up my dissertation. Um, and, you know, always just uh, protection and blessings for, for our family. Uh, absolutely. From your mouth to God's ears. Hallelujah. Amen. <laughs> uh, what a fun time talking with you. I really appreciate you taking time in between appointments, juggling appointments, just to speak with me today in your Yeah, in your no car. problem. <laughs> yeah. So thank you. I hope that we hey. can do this again. Yeah, absolutely. And please do. And, and um, you know, especially with, with book projects and things that I'm working on, I'm more than happy to always, <laughs> you know, everybody's always happy to talk about different projects they're working on. So, you know, I'd love to, to come back sometime in the future. Oh, are you writing a book? I'm working, yes, on one that, so I have two books already out. I have a commentary on the the book of Jude, and then as well as a commentary on the letters of John. And um, I have a couple other projects in the hopper, but one of the things is I have proposals out right now to turn my, my doctoral dissertation into a book. Wonderful. Um, yeah. So, and that's not so much in the in Messianic Jewish space. My my doctorate's in Midrash, which is a kind of Jewish interpretive literature, and I'm particularly looking at um, a, a Midrashic collection called Midrash Tehillim. It's a it's uh, on the Book of Psalms. And so um, that book is probably going to be published. I'm, I'm trying to get it published by a major academic publisher, um, whereas some of my other stuff is definitely in more Messianic Jewish space. All right. Well, I guess we, we better remember the name. Joshua yeah, no, it's Rama. okay. I don't expect anybody to remember, but, <laughs> you know, but someday what I'm writing on is actually really important because in um, just two years ago, it's been two years and two weeks or so, my little brother, my youngest brother, Aaron, died following a battle with leukemia, with cancer, which obviously sent me uh, really wrestling with faith. And to be honest, I wasn't sure I'd come out of it as a person of faith. And here I am supposed to be a rabbi, you know, encouraging congregation in their faith. And I was really, I was really struggling. And two weeks after my brother died, I was still in the middle of what we call 
uh, in the Jewish community, Shloshim, it's the 30 days of intense mourning following the death of an immediate relative. And oh. I was already registered for a class um, that was titled Are you, um, Arguing with God in the Rabbinic World. And what it was is looking at Midrash and other rabbinic texts on something that's a biblical theme that a lot of people are not they're familiar with it. They just don't know that they are. And what this is, it's a type of writing of basically people wrestling with God. You know, we're all familiar with Jacob, yeah. but in not, I mean, in the story of Jacob, when he wrestles with, with God, I, uh, you know, and his name is changed to Israel. That was a physical encounter, but you have lots of verbal encounters throughout the Psalms, throughout almost every book in the Hebrew Bible contains what we call protest. And uh, one of the best examples I usually give people is Moses goes to God. Uh, I'm sorry, he, Moses goes to Pharaoh for the first time and he comes back and he tells God, I did everything that you told me to do and it didn't work. And not only did it not work, you made things worse and your people are still in bondage. In three times in two verses, it uses the, the Hebrew word ra, which is evil or bad, however you want to translate it. But it says, it, it most accuses God that you did raw against your people. You did this against your people. And Moses is not punished for it. In fact, chapter six of Exodus just simply goes into, okay, Moses, here's what's going to happen next. And there's only one place in the entire Hebrew Bible that says you shouldn't do this. You shouldn't argue with God or question God. And that's in um, Jeremiah, where Jer it's the whole passage that's pretty well known with the potter and the clay. Right. The God is the potter. We're the clay. If God chooses to make us for, you know, in any way, who are we to question it? But that's the only place that it, that you find this. So uh, this type of what we call protest literature is all over the Hebrew Bible, especially in places in the Psalms. And so what I'm looking at is not so much the biblical protest material, but the material within a certain rabbinic collection on the book of Psalms. And, um, you know, for me, this whole world of what we call protest theology was a way to wrestle with God, you know, following the, the last couple of years after the death of my brother. And in many ways, it's what helped me kind of keep my faith. It allowed me to wrestle with God rather than abandoning faith, that within faith to wrestle and struggle with God. Um, so that's really, I know that was a mouthful, but that's, that's what, what this work is. And so even though it's not specifically a Messianic Jewish topic or something, it's something that has very important theological ramifications. And I've found many people, um, as I've talked about this in various kinds of spaces, including Messianic Jewish spaces who really resonate with it because we live in a world which um, American culture, believe it or not, is very uncomfortable with. We, we are surrounded by death. That's not the problem. It's in movies and everything. People are very uncomfortable and get squeamish when it comes to grief. And there's been a lot that's been written on this recently on kind of the American and especially in the evangelical world, it's discomfort with grief. And um, there's a need to talk about grief and to struggle and to, to ask big questions. And we might not get the answers we're looking for, but this is, you know, it's an important conversation that we need to be having right now. Well, I can see how God will really use you to help people and encourage them from your own experience. And Halibai, you know, may, may it be so. Yeah. <laughs> um, absolutely. Well, because I, I'm just doing this because it was part of my own grief and journey. Um, and if other people benefit with it, which is, I'm really hoping that that would be great, but I didn't do this for everybody else. I did it, for, you know, I, it was part of my own process. Of course. Well, keep me posted. I definitely want to have you on again, and we can talk more about it when it gets published. So Yeah, absolutely. That's absolutely. I'll, I'll definitely do that. <laughs> well, thank you, Rabbi Joshua, for taking the time to be with me today. I've really enjoyed talking with you. Yeah, thank you so much for the, for the opportunity. And, and please give my love to your beautiful wife. I will definitely do that. So shalom for now. To you as well. Thank you. That was my interview with Rabbi Joshua Brumbach. And right now, here is some music from Paul Wilbur. Two thousand years have come and gone, still we wait. The promise of Messiah lives within our hearts. Faith is strong, 
Our souls anticipate We cry out, let your kingdom come We hear it all around us Hosanna in the highest Won't you send us desert Bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. This is Ethel Chadwick saying, Shalom Alechem, peace be with you. Remember, every day of your life is an opportunity to be a blessing to someone. Thank you so much for listening to Bagels and Blessings. Shalom. Shalom.